Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're done with your Oreo. <laughs> yeah, done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, do we really know what happened? The brother did. The brother, that's what I thought too. Yeah. I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you want to talk about death? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm stuck What was that? I don't know. That was my intro. Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. Um, my name is Chloe. My name is Mario. And this is Mystery Murdery Thingy. You already, <laughs> Which said, already that. said that. This is the podcast where we talk about mysteries. And murderies. And thingies. What are you doing? Let's just, we're just getting right to Mine's it Mine's very thingy. You're going to go first. Yes. Wham, bam, you go first. Wham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so this is like a combination of Reddit, um Wikipedia and a very well-written New York Times article. I love that combination. And so all of this started for me on Reddit. And I talk about Reddit As a lot. To so many things. Of I talk about, yeah, I love Reddit. I yeah. talk about Reddit a lot. You do. Um but there is a subreddit called Unresolved Mysteries. And if you're on Reddit, definitely check it out. It's got some great stuff. It's perfect for but us. Something that was trending recently was what is the mystery behind glitter? Meaning, it appears that there's a lot of glitter being purchased by someone who would rather keep it a secret. So, what mystery industry is the largest? buyer of glitter we don't know that's the the reddit style question right? yes so yeah. let's i'm gonna go through the article and then i'm gonna go through some reddit stuff so coo, coo, coo. let's talk about what glitter actually is what um is glitter actually so everyone likes glitter nope most people do not like actually, glitter. Actually, actually, wait a minute, wait a minute. According to polling science. Um, excuse me. Um, according to research psychologists. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, humans are naturally attracted to shiny things. That is true. And it's research psychologists 
suggest that is a... <laughs> so many S's. I know. That was a very sibilant sentence. <laughs> Research psychologists suggest that our attraction to shiny things can be derived from an innate need to seek out fresh water. Oh, that makes... Isn't See, that interesting? If you think about... Like most things that humans do, you can come up with a very plausible evolutionary explanation for it. Right, right. And I think this is a good one. Yeah, for sure. So whether you like it or not, <laughs> you like litter. Your brain likes it. Because <laughs> it thinks you can drink it, but you can't. So don't, please don't try drinking glitter. It's, it's, it's a good theory. Do you hear that? Yeah. I don't think. Is there a cat? Yeah. In your, under your bed? No, it's no. not that loud. No. Cool. Mom. <laughs> Mozzie. That's what he sounds like. Meowsy out there. All right. Moving on. Please. <laughs> so, um, glitter is believed to have roots all the way back to 1934 in New Jersey when a German immigrant named Henry Rushman invented a machine to cut scrap material into just really, really, really tiny pieces. Um, that's like kind of the the modern day mm -hmm. type of glitter. Um, and there is such a thing as ancient glitter. Okay. Quotes. So as early as 3,000 years ago, mica flakes. Yeah, Mario, oh. Mario was like, what? What? <laughs> uh, mica that flakes okay. were used to give cave paintings a kind of shiny oh. appearance. Um, prehistoric humans are believed to have used cosmetics made up of powdered hematite, right. which is a, a sparkly type of mineral. That makes sense. So even use in cosmetics can be tracked um, thousands of years ago. Hmm. Ancient Egyptians used finely ground uh, green malachite crystal in other products. Um, so this idea of like taking a metal or mineral, grinding it up super fine... And then it, like, sparkles. Like, that's sort of yeah. been around for, like, who knows how long. Right. Okay. Um, people of the Americas were using powdered galena, a form of lead, to produce bright grayish white glittering paint that they used for objects of adornment. Like that makes sense. crowns and jewelry and such. I like the such. And such. <laughs> um, jewelry and such. Come yes. down to the new store at the Dying Mall. But jewelry and such. There's like so much just like doing this research research and like reading through this article, I was like blown away. Yeah, Definitely I didn't realize that there was that much uh, to this the article. Of it. The author is um her name is Katie Weaver. So You said the New York Times, right? Yes. So today's modern glitter, um how today's modern glitter. In today's time, in today's modern <laughs> glitter. In the parlance of today, modern glitter. In modern glitter magazine, we're talking about <laughs> how glitter is made. Modern glitter magazine, that would be good. <laughs> That's like something they would have at your hairdressers. You're right. Let's start it. All right. Um, New magazine. So, modern glitter. <laughs> <laughs> to get back to the modern glitter. Um. Nobody really knows exactly how it became popular. Like, it's not entirely entirely clear, but it was everywhere mm. all of a sudden. So, Katie like Weaver. Like glitter is want to do. Like glitter. To get everywhere all of a sudden. Oh, uh, glitter is something else. I yeah. try to stay away from it. I know, right? So, Katie Weaver. She speaks to the head of Glitterex. So, Glitterex is the one of two biggest 
um, manufacturers of glitter um, in, in America. So uh, the CEO, Babu Shetty, he came to the U.S. to earn a Ph.D. in polymer science and engineering. Good for him. Um, so he kind of... Uh, this, is, this is... I have a straight quote from the article um, talking about how what happened when Katie contacted him. Quote, He also did not want me to visit his glitter factory. The jovial Mr. Shetty told me over the phone that people have no idea of the scientific knowledge required to produce glitter, that Glitterex's glitter-making technology is some of the most advanced in the world, that people don't believe how complicated it is, that he would not allow me to see glitter being made, he would not allow me to hear glitter being made, (laughs) that I could not even be in the same wing of the building as the room in which glitter was being made under any circumstance, that even Glitterex's clients are not permitted to see their glitter being made, that he would not reveal the identities of Glitterex's clients, which includes some of the largest multinational corporations in the world. Eventually, one did consent to be named, thank you, Revlon Inc., and that Fine, I was welcome to come down to Glitterex headquarters to learn more about what I could not learn about in person. And the Revlon, I think, is kind of a gimme because, I mean, it's some makeup. of their some of their makeup clearly has glitter in it. Yeah. Like, you can see it. Yeah. Like, in their commercials, they, like, highlight it. So, yeah. like, yeah, of course. So. But who else? That's the mystery, right? Right. There's a lot. I've got some great discussion and some great guesses at the end that we can... I think you and I can build up a good conversation about it. Pulled from Reddit. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, so, Katie Weaver, our, our journalist, she heads Thank over, you, Katie. Katie. She heads to New Jersey. Um, she visits the Glitterex factory. Uh, and she's guided by um, a woman named Lauren Dyer, who is a manager, and Sheet Betty, the son of the CEO. Oh, okay. So... They learn some facts. The color that sells the most is silver. Um, And they go into a very descriptive... um, uh, Descriptive description, I I guess. A very specific description. That was a good description of a description. Oh, my gosh. I just couldn't... (laughs) My train of thought just went out the window. We are not editing this episode. We're not. not. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, what time is it right now? It doesn't matter. Just pull behind the curtain a little it, bit. It's, it matters not. It's almost Wednesday. It okay. matters not. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they go into a very, like, technical description of how their glitter is, or what it's made of. And what, what it's what made it, of. Okay. Yeah, what it really is. Hmm. So I'm going to try to describe it as best as I can. Cool. So clear, You don't have a PhD in polymer science. No, but, but the article described it in a way that I could understand it. So I'm going to try to relay it. Mm-hmm. The, the same way. I highly suggest everyone go read the article. Um, so here's a, a summary. It's quite technical. Clear glitter is made from small pieces of polyester film or um, mylar, basically mylar. So Glitter X starts out with this polyester film and then it's metallized with aluminum, which means that aluminum is deposited on both sides of the film. Sure. And this is done by evaporating an aluminum deposit, which is done through a vacuum chamber. Oh, interesting. Um, I was thinking electrolysis at first, but I guess it's done differently. So it gets very um, scientific. 
iridescent glitter, the kind that changes color based on the angle that it's viewed, uh, quote, is made from multi-layered clear film composed of polymers with different refractive indexes, end quote. So multi-layered, multi meaning 233 layers of film. Each layer is half the wavelength of light. Wow. So humans detect light waves in lengths between 400 and 700. They're called nanometers. Right, right, right. So Millionths of a meter. Right. Or is it billions of a meter? I always forget. I think it's... Millions. 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 So to put in perspective... Pico the... is billion, I think. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Okay, go on, please. Uh, to put in perspective... The width of a human hair mm-hmm. is between eight eighty to a hundred thousand nanometers. Wow! So each layer of film in 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 this glitter is two hundred and thirty nanometers. So they have to be able to work consistently on the nanometer scale because right. they're making billions of these things. Right. Wow, that's crazy. So, um, not all glitter is this. Sure. You know, technologically advanced. Craft glitter, uh, for example, is the thickest. And the thinnest is glitter that's used in lit products. Mm-hmm. Those are the thinnest ones. Um, so researchers and zookeepers sometimes mix glitter with animal feed to track animals via sparkly poop. Oh. Um, isn't that a good idea? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that. Um, plywood manufacturers put hidden layers of colored glitter in their products to prevent counterfeiting. Um, it can also serve as useful crime scene evidence because it can be distinguished under a microscope and then tracked. Um, and of course it's glitter. It's incredibly difficult to remove. Mm -hmm. Um, you search a a bloody car with glitter and then you go to the guy's house and there's glitter everywhere. It's pretty, it's a pretty strong, you know, I guess that's because it's like so small and thin, right. That like any, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like electrostatic, like, you know, the, it it would just, it would cling to everything. Like Van der Waals forces, like electric, like a static electricity. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Just like anything. It it just like, yeah. And it, it would even cling to like, what would look like a sheer surface. Right. Yeah. Right. You can't, you'll never get rid of it. Not every little piece. Yeah. Uh, so the average American sees glitter every day. Most of it is hexagonal. Glitterex's minimum order size is enough to fill half a million bottles of nail polish, which, according to Mr. Shetty, the CEO, is about ten pounds. Ten pounds. Yeah. Well, so if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go to Glitterex, you gotta be going hard. Like <laughs> ten pounds of glitter. That's a shit ton of glitter. A ton of glitter. <laughs> yeah. So if you're ordering glitter from Glitterex, it's because you're doing it on a large scale, manufacturing something. Sure. Um, and that'll set you back about $1,000. For 10 pounds of glitter. 10 pounds of glitter, yep. Reasonable. So, despite all of this, glitter's still very secretive. A strict requirement for clients of GlitterX is confidentiality. Um, NDAs. Right. Quote, companies do not want others in their industry to, d- to know what glitters are in their products to prevent competitors from making identical form formulations, end quote. Hmm. And, uh, Proprietary. Glitter offers 
Glitterex offers over 10,000 different varieties of glitter. So you can see why if someone finds the one that they want and the one that makes their product look the best, feel the best, whatever, they wouldn't want anyone else to get their hands on it. Mm. I did not realize glitter was even in that many products or that there were even more than it's one type of more, glitter like oh, yeah. like what it's much more widespread than you would ever believe yeah it's insane it's like i feel like if you met someone who worked at a glitter factory at like a dinner party and then you just started like casually talking to them about it and then they just like keep going on and on and on and it's like Wait, where do you, you where do you work again? A glitter right? factory? Yeah. Is that what you're describing? But they to me can't. Right they now? can only talk about so much, and there's stuff that sure. they 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 don't even know. It's like fucking uh, the um, Los Alamos, like the Manhattan Project, like it's, right. You know, they probably have like segmented parts within the it, factory where it's like you know compartmentalized information. Yeah, like all it's everything's on like a need to know basis. And we were talking, and you'll, I'm sure you're probably going to get this it, to this about how like there might be security concerns too, right? In case there's like governmental entities, I'm sure you're going to get to that's that. Right? That's my favorite that's, guess. Actually. That's yeah, that's my favorite. We, we were talking about it in the car the um, other day. But yeah, so what? My alarm was going off. Oh, no. It's oh 11 no. o'clock. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> We're fine. Everything's good. Everything's copacetic. 11 o'clock and all is well. What's that from? Just history in general. People used to say that. <sighs> terrible, terrible joke. Terrible joke. Could be from Hamlet. I think there's a but part in Hamlet you. where the... Oh, I love you, too. <laughs> well... Okay, anyway. glitter. Yes, back to the story. Everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> um, so the so the manager, Lauren Dyer, refused to say which industry served as Glitterex's biggest market. However, based on the conversation that uh, her and the reporter had, we know that if you looked at it, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's glitter, mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, the industry doesn't want anyone to know that it's glitter and number three, we'd never be able to guess it. Okay. So that's good. It's good. Good. Good mystery fodder. The minute I like read all that, I was like, "What is it? I, why I have I, to know? I have to. It was like eat. No, I'm serious. Like <laughs> right. that's why I was like, I was like, I, I got to talk about this to someone. <laughs> I like know. It, it, it's insane. It's like just I like a sneakily good topic. I wanna. I wanna know. Don't you? Like it, uh, yeah. It drives me insane. And we could. And I don't even know why I want to know so bad. It's not that important. It's because they're keeping that knowledge from you. Yeah. And therefore I have to have it. Yeah, it's more of like the fact that it's a secret. And also, why? And and I think also the fact that like someone knows. Right. Right. Maybe hundreds of people, you know, but but not almost any of us, but just those few people, they know. So we should also get to know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the, the. I'm jealous of them. It's the like, the crave of yeah. of knowledge. It's the you wanting... know your brother's playing with the ball. You want the ball. You know you may you may hate the ball. It's like your least favorite <laughs> ball of all time. But like they have it, so you want it. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's a great analogy. You're welcome. But it's very like, oh, I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of drives me nuts. Yep, yep. Um, and I hope now it drives all of you nuts. <laughs> yes. Um, next to Glitter X, I also want to talk about Meadowbrook. 
So Meadowbrook is even more secretive than Glitterex because um, uh, they were one of the places uh, that uh, Katie went to to talk and be like, hey, like, I want to do a report on Glitter. They're like, we're a private company. Goodbye. Wow. They said No comment. They had, they didn't want to be a part of it at all. Uh Uh-huh. So, on their website, it it explicitly states that it will provide Glitter for any type of application imaginable, including industrial, paints, coatings, cosmetics, plastics, solvents, adhesives, Printing inks, flock, aerosol, textiles, fashion, floral, crafts. Wow. So that led me to believe that none of those are the culprit. Right, because it's they wouldn't be... something besides all of those. They wouldn't be and advertising lo- it. Right, yeah, that's what I would say. Of course. So a lot of the Reddit answers and people speculating was stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but also they had, like, really good reasons for it to be that. Um... I don't know. It's just very, it's very weird. So one of the main possible culprits was toothpaste. Sure. I feel like that, that makes sense, right? Toothpaste is like kind of shiny. Yeah. Um, however, if 10 pounds of glitter is enough to make half a bottle of nail, half a million bottles of nail polish, would toothpaste be the largest consumer? Like, is there that much do we produce that much toothpaste? Like, is it possible there's that much glitter in toothpaste? If there's glitter in toothpaste at all? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good point. Or does the math work out? Maybe it does work out. I don't know. I, do, I don't have a PhD in polymer science, but <laughs> I'm not sure. Engineering? No? Mm, music? <laughs> Theater? Those do not prepare you well for uh, that to answer that question. You can't answer the question. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, I, I could I could build a seventh chord, but I can't answer that question. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know about toothpaste. Here's what I think. It does seem kind of unlikely when you when you really think about it. I think money. Money, 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 money. So for security money. reasons. For exactly that, yeah. I feel like that every time I say the word money, that song is like <laughs> right. in the back of my head. Either that or Pink Floyd. Money, it's a gas. No. You don't know. No. From. Dark Side I don't of the Moon? have the cool taste in music like Late you. Late seventies classic rock. I'm not in. I'm not in the cool. I got it from my brother, so. I'm not in it. It's cool. I'm not in the cool kids. It's cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Cool, cool, cool. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt. We've been doing a lot of. Yeah. We have. Okay, getting back on topic. I know, we're getting on so many tangents. Well, it's a it's a good night. It's a glittery kind of episode. It's a glittery kind of episode. Right. So, yeah, money for security reasons. Makes perfect sense. Counterfeit, you know. They change those kinds of um, methods all the time. Mm-hmm. And it would be like a government secret. Right. Like they would be like, a, they can't, literally can't tell anybody. It's Which illegal. should be even cooler if you're like the CEO of Glitterax and you're like, yeah, I talked to Steven Mnuchin about <laughs> the, the new glitter that we're going to put in in the money. You Mark, know? shut the fuck up. 
compartmentalized information. I, I had to get a CIA, you know, clearance to get this, to do this thing. It's so cool. I mean, <laughs> are you, are you, are you projecting? Are you jealous? No, I, I, that's not my dream at all. <laughs> um, I feel like that'd be cool, right? I feel like yeah. that makes sense. But also, I don't know. I would definitely look at like a brand new $20 bill and be like, yeah, that's glitter. But one of the things that the manager said was that you wouldn't know it's glitter. Right. Because it could just be like one or two or three like strategically yeah. placed. And I think it makes a lot of sense to me too because if you can make a piece of glitter with 200 plus layers on it, you you could make a custom piece of glitter that would be like a almost like a key or something. It would, it would be like a chip, you know, like... Oh, that's so weird. So that, you know, when it gets scanned, then it, it verifies that it's like that particular, like, configuration of glitter. Like, yeah. So it just, it makes, to me, it makes perfect sense that it would be some kind of security measure and money. I think we cracked it. There's a lot of other good ones, though. Okay, um, what are some of the other ones? I think one of the strong ones is the food and beverage industries. Mm -hmm. Like, like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Coca-Cola owns everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not everything, but They own a so lot of much. land in third world countries. Yeah. And they own a big building in Atlanta. Yeah. And... And they own a lot of brands. And Micah, I believe it's Micah, is usually farmed by slaves who are mostly children yeah just gonna drop that is that still like you. a like a main um, ingredient in uh, glitter um or in certain types of glitter in certain types yeah okay. yeah but it's mostly plastics mm. um okay. modern glitter is mostly plastics but um uh but some of it is like you know it's like blood glitter you right know, in a sense. right yeah um that being said what if, like, the gold and silver industries are putting glitter in their fucking diamonds to make them shine? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't want people to know about that either. Exactly. But that wouldn't be using that much. Like, not even close. Right. It wouldn't be, like, the it biggest It wouldn't be the consumer. biggest. No, no. No mm. way. Without it being, like, obvious. Like, what is in my ring? But that like, doesn't <laughs> mean that they couldn't also be a secret consumer. Because that's just one of them that they're yeah. talking about. That There could be multiple secret... I mean, presumably there are, right? I think there I mean, are. Most of them are secret, so. Yeah. Who knows? Ooh, that's weird. There's, there's glitter that's everywhere. That's a good one, right? But um, another one was NASA buying uncut sheets of glitter to use for insulation. Okay. And, like, their satellites and stuff. But NASA isn't, like, secretive about that stuff. I was going to say, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they want people and to And they, like, them? fully admit to, like, the possibility of glitter. Okay. Um, in some of their equipment. So they're not like, it's like not a secret for them. Really. Right, right. Um, but that's all I've got really for glitter. Cool. Do you, I like that. do you have any other guesses? No, I mean, I, I didn't even know that glitter, that there was even this much to it, you know, or that right? people would even want to use it in, I mean, I guess cosmetics, if I would have thought about it, but, and paint, you know, that makes sense, so. Yeah, um, it's considered, they're considered microplastics. Microplastics. And they are not, they're bad for the, the environment. However, 
um, in the article, they talk to an expert, and the expert says that she thinks we've got bigger fish to fry. Oh, for sure. Which, I mean, when it, you look at it, she's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. If we want to talk about, you know, plastics but, and microplastics, and yeah, how they're finding, you know, char, you know, uh, plastic bags in the deepest part of the ocean, and well, fit all these fish and cetaceans coming up to the surface with, you know, their bodies filled with plastic. It's it's awful. Yeah. Obama signed the law or regulation or whatever to gradually eliminate microbeads in, like, mm-hmm. hand sanitizers yep. and yep, facial yep, yep. scrubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's glitter in that stuff, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. That's obvious. Um, but, yeah, microbeads are really bad. And I, re- I remember when they passed that, uh, um, I think it was a regulation, um, that banning them. That was, that was a good idea. Right. Um do you have any other guesses? I don't I feel like... No, not really. I mean, I guess um, we had also talked maybe about, like, um, you know, like Apple or, like, a a, a technology manufacturer, like, for their oh, casings. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we hadn't talked. Maybe my, I just I don't know, that, man. My, my iPod Nano was beautiful neon pink. It would sparkle in the sun. That yeah. shit was beautiful. So I was also yeah. like eleven, <laughs> everything and I, and sparkled I in the sun. Treasured it like a child. Oh yeah, I told you about my iPod, my um, what, uh, the big one, classic, pl- classic. Yeah, they got stolen. Anyway, I, I don't really have any other things. So oh, did you so want to do your sources? Or? Yeah. So my sources was. My sources was. My sources was. The thing about my sources is. My sources, was. The Glitter Wikipedia page mm-hmm. and Reddit, Unresolved Mysteries, um, subreddit, and of course the article titled "What Is Glitter" by Katie Weaver. Okay. Oh, this way you talked about your sources at the very beginning, anyway. Cool, cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Mario, cool, 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 cool. I'm really excited. Okay, for what so you're going to talk about. I am talking about. This is a good. Um, in- th- this is one of the. Uh, mo- most innocuously bizarre, I think, episodes in modern television mystery history. Um, I am talking about in- the yes, yes. <laughs> and it, it involves Chicago. I so um, <laughs> yes. I always love something that involves Chi Town. So uh, the, I'm talking about the Max Headroom signal intrusion. So yes, um, classic. It's a classic. You probably have heard of this because it's it's very famous. Um, and just a t- tiny little, I didn't even write anything here, but just a tiny little bit of background. Max Headroom, which I did not, you know, I was born in 86, so this was, like, something that was popular when I was, like, a small child, right? Max Headroom was this, um, fictional character brought, as so many TV things are, from England to the United States. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> right, just throughout time. Um, and so Max Headroom is the sort of alternate identity of this, um, uh, journalist who, um, lives in the near future. Where so is that the premise of like a TV show? It's the premise of a TV show. Yes. Yes. And he, he gets sort of like carted away by a totalitarian government. Um, but his personality is uploaded into the cloud or whatever. What? That's right? some Black Mirror shit. Yeah. Um, and it lives. he lives on as Max Headroom, this prankster who will, um, you know, cut into the signals of the t- government <gasps> TV show, oh my right? God. 
And so that just so you understand that that's where that's the context of this and and sort of where this is coming from that that fictional show as you'll see it's sort of an art you know life imitating art sort of thing I honestly honestly I hope it was just a prank because how amazing would that be if it was just a prank, well, but no one knows who did it? Opinion it is very It was just a divided. bunch of trolls who were just fucking around and were like, hey, yeah. we should do this. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. So, <laughs> okay, so to set the scene, Chicago. Picture it. Chicago. Chicago. November 22nd, 1987. The Bears. On WGN's 9 o'clock news, sportscaster Dan Rowan is recounting a sweet 30 to 10 victory by the Bears <laughs> over the hated rivals Detroit Lions. At about 9:15, the screen goes black for 15 seconds. Control room operators at the WGN office on Bradley Place begin to panic. What the hell is going on, right? <gasps> oh my god. What did you do? She spilled her It's coffee. your fault. Somewhere near the John Hancock Tower, someone still a mystery to this day, was jamming the WGN signal and replacing it with one of their own. And after those 15 seconds of black, thousands, tens of thousands of Chicagoans saw a man dressed as the TV character Max Headroom, a futuristic computer-generated avatar prankster, appear on the screen. Static hissed, but no sound appeared from the video itself. Mm. A corrugated metal sheet spun Scary. back and forth drunkenly yeah. in the background. This person in a Max Headroom mask, including large fake sunglasses, bobbed back and forth. And this lasted for about 10 seconds. Back in the Bradley Place control room office, operators changed the frequency of the signal being broadcast across town, and Dan Rowan reappeared on the screens of Chicagoland. Mm. Rowan said, quote, Well, if you're wondering what's happened, so am I. <laughs> and that the computer running the news, quote, took off and went wild, close quote. And he continued to break down DeBear's glorious win over the Detroit Lions without further incident. But, all was not over that night. The Max Headroom prankster was not done. Oh, it happened more than once? Mm-hmm. It happened a second time. At about 11.15 p.m. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. During a PBS, a WTTW um, affiliate broadcast of the Doctor Who episode, Horror of Fang Rock, the airwaves once more were taken over by the faux Max Headroom. Instead of classic Doctor Tom Baker... Whovians first saw a static and lines, sort of the scan lines, yeah. right? If you have ever seen a, you know, spooky. VHS, um, you know, you'll know what I mean. Those kind of like lines. I'd be up. scared. I know, right? It's very, yeah, it gets kind of creepy. Um, and this, of course, indicated that a, a tape had started. They then heard and saw over the next minute and 22 seconds a pretty bizarre and, and, kind of disturbing scene. That same Fomax headroom that they had seen before, if they were watching Dan Rohn, appeared bobbing in front of the, uh, the same hypnotizing background 
that corrugated metal bobbing back and forth. In the back. But this time you could hear what appeared to be speech, but it, it wasn't totally clear. It was it, everything was kind of garbled. This faux Max seemed to call out WGN sportscaster Chuck Swirsky by name, claiming that this faux Max headroom was much better than Chuck Swirsky and calling him a, quote, frickin' liberal and, quote, frickin' nerd. A rival, maybe? Perhaps. that This faux Max headroom did seem to hate Chuck Swirsky. It makes sense to be somebody you know. who worked there. We'll talk. We'll talk about those things. You're 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 getting a little ahead. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that at the end. Um. So yeah, and and for some reason, yeah, he hated Shuksworski. It's not it's not totally clear. So that faux Max then ironically holds up a Pepsi can and proclaims the slogan that the real Max Headroom used in commercials for the then actually new new Coke, which was oh. Catch the Wave. So he's like holding up a Pepsi can, being like. Catch the wave, you know, in and in, in this like weird voice, which Is this dude just like high or what? <laughs> who knows? Um, so yeah, that's obviously a terrible slogan. First of all, catch the wave, awful. Yeah. Um, you know, no wonder New Coke went down in flames, right? Um, and and just as an aside, um, coincident coincidentally, um, they do make a New Coke joke in the musical that I'm currently in, The Wedding Singer, at Community Players. So just to plug that for a second. So to get that back to the... smooth. I know, right? I, <laughs> I, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity. Um, so uh, communityplayers.org. Uh, so to get back to the video, uh, things get more and yet more bizarre from here. Um, the Fomax gives everyone the middle finger, but not with his real finger, with a fake finger extension... What? Which sort of looks like a dildo. Nice. Which he then throws off camera. Approved. He then cryptically asserts that, quote, I still see the X. Which is, but... I still see the X. But it sounds like, I still see the X. Kind of, sort of like that. Um, ap <laughs> apparently, this is some reference to the final episode of a cartoon called Clutch Cargo, which I had never heard of. Okay. But that's what my sources told me. Um, the foam, the Fomax then seems to perhaps. Uh, this is what it kind of seemed to me when I I didn't read this anywhere, but this is what I, was my own interpretation of the video. And and please do go watch this video. Look up Max Headroom Signal Intrusion. You'll you'll find it very quickly. Um, the Fomax appears to fake defecate while complaining of his piles. <laughs> or is he saying files? That's also a thing that I read about. Um, and a perhaps fake flatulence is heard. Not sure if it's real or not. Might be farting. Might just be him making a sound. Um, the Fomax then proclaims he has, quote, made a giant masterpiece for all the greatest world newspaper nerds, close quote. And this whole thing with the greatest world newspaper nerds, um, this is presumably a reference to WGN, which is stands for World's Greatest Newspaper, oh, which refers to the Chicago that. Tribune. Yeah, um, which is the newspaper that owns WGN, the Tribune Company. Wow, owns both of them. Um, so the this is very media centered. It is. Yeah, it seems to have something to do with that, but who fucking knows what. Um, so this, um, section kind of finishes out, um, uh, 
the the this one and a half minute uh, bizarre performance, and uh, the next section is wow, that's that, a long time. Yeah, for like an interruption, for like a signal interruption. I know, right? Um, so this next part involves um, the phone Max showing us an ill-fitting garden glove, and informing us that his brother quote is wearing the other one, but it's dirty. It's like you got blood stains on it. Close quote. Excuse I don't me? know what that's supposed to mean, but it's freaky. Um, yeah. So <laughs> then he throws the glove away and hard cut to a shot of a man, presumably the same guy, um, with his posterior towards the camera. Yeah, yeah, I remember this part. Mm-hmm. His face off screen to the left and the Max Headroom mask sort of He's holding it behind him. It's sort of wobbling in and out of frame. And a person, presumably a woman in a French maid costume, appears uh, on the frame and bats the man's butt with a fly swatter. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, this man uh, howls, quote, they're coming to get me. And, quote, oh, do it. (laughs) So this is the. uh, It's my favorite part. um, This is the um, erotic. Conclusion, perhaps, maybe, of one of the most infamous happenings in hacker history. Yeah. And modern TV history, of course. It's just so out there and... So bizarre. So exceedingly bizarre. So many questions. I know. I, I, you know this, I have a high tolerance for weird shit. I'm into weird stuff, like, actively. And this shit weirds me out. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, the control room operators for the PBS affiliate, WTTW, you know, um, were not able to intervene in time to, to stop this from happening. Even though, like you were saying before, it went on for yeah, a pretty long really time. Yeah, they really didn't. <laughs> um, essentially, no one was watching the controls at the time, and that's why. If someone had been in the okay. control room, like, watching it... I guess because it was like 11 at night, they they were just like off doing something else. So, Or maybe it was the control room operator. Ooh. So angry and bemused TV watchers, of course, were calling into the station in droves to complain or, or inquire oh. about this. Were some people um, pissed? I some guess. people were pissed, for sure. I'd some, be like, I'd be, I don't know what I would, what would you do? I I would think that it was weird and just go on. I wouldn't really <laughs> care that much. Um, some viewers, though, mainly younger ones, did think that the video was pretty hilarious <laughs> and, and was just kind of a harmless prank, like we were talking about earlier. Um, network employees, though, and security were understandably freaking out at, WT, at WTTW and WGN, um, especially WGN, because it seems like it was targeted toward WGN, clearly. So WTTW air director Paul Rizzo recounted his feelings thus, quote, All of a sudden, we don't have Doctor Who on the air. We have this Max Headroom mask. (laughs) And as the content got weirder, we got increasingly stressed out about our inability to do anything about it, close quote. Oh. Yeah. So the the FCC, of course, also was quite alarmed by this and immediately began an investigation. And by the way, this was not the first or the by any means the last incident of this kind. They'd been happening since the late 70s and they go on literally till today. 
Um, oh, man. So in, investigators first assume that the signal intrusion must have been an inside job at WGN or WGN. So they actually got, like, investigators in and stuff? Oh, of course, yeah. Um, the equipment and knowledge necessary to pull this kind of thing off, they reasoned, would suggest a highly skilled operator with inside access, you know, who who wouldn't yeah. have the uh, right equipment, know how to use it, and have the knowledge of, you know, the practices there that, that they would actually be able to do this thing. Um, but this may or may not have been correct. It, it's it's really not clear to this day, and, and it, it may not be in, in some respects correct. So as an internal source... Um, looked a little less likely as they continued with the investigation. The FBI actually got involved as well. Damn. Uh, um, and and this is, it, it might seem a little weird, right? Like, oh, this is kind of this just weird prank, right, in Chicago. Um, the reason, though, that it involved the FBI is because the issue of signal intrusion really bore heavily on national security oh, in the sense yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know, if, if you're jamming this, well, you could jam other things, That's including true. security um, apparatus and, and satellites and things. So therefore, this investigation was a national, you know, priority. Um, an FBI report obtained through a, a Freedom of Information Act request by Vice Reporter Chris Niddle details the direction and the limitations of the investigation that, in, that ensued. So oh. Dr. Michael Marcus, a hacking and radio expert, wrote the um, FBI report. Uh, Marcus worked for the FCC from 1979 to 2004, and he worked on other high-profile cases of signal intrusion um, around this time and afterwards. And all of his other investigations were successful, as far as I could tell. This this was, as he put it, the one that got away. Huh. So it's kind of interesting. But he says it doesn't really haunt him or anything. Out of all of the things that could have gotten away, it was this. Yeah. Um, and and we can talk a little bit about why why that is. Why this one was harder um, to catch, you know, than, than other ones. But um, Marcus, Dr. Michael Marcus, mainly blames the head FCC investigator in Chicago at the time, whom he declines to name, um, you know, but he, he says that that person had a sort of undue reticence and a, a lack of sort of proper investigative curiosity, which hampered the investigation and, you know, eventually tanked what? it, essentially. Proper investigation curiosity? So they didn't want to, like knock on doors. They didn't want to re-interview re witnesses. You know, they didn't want to do, oh. you know, like regular police work because that's not really what the FCC typically does. But in this case, that's kind of what you would have needed to do. But they didn't do it? They didn't do that. Mm. They they didn't really do much of that at all, um, it seems. And, and that, that was kind of Marcus's frustration and, and what he believes was, you know, kind of a fatal... Um, blow to the investigation, I believe. So Mar Marcus suggested focusing on finding both the location from which the pirate signal was sent, as well as the location for the filming of the tape itself. And um, Oh, they could track all that? Well, they could try. Um, and, and, and at this point, I think it's a little helpful just to take a moment to talk a little bit about how this kind of like broadcasty kind of stuff works. So the, the signal... Um, 
you know, whichever, whichever one we're talking about begins from, you know, a, some original source, right? A master tape or something that is then broadcast on a relatively weak signal from a relatively low-to-the-ground location, right? And it sends that to an amplifying transmitter at a much higher location. Okay. So you've got, you know, your little satellite down here. It's beaming up essentially to the top of a high building, and then that beams out, you know, to to the wider world. Um, the WGN and WTTV signals were broadcast several miles along roughly parallel paths, northwest to southeast through the city of Chicago to the John Hancock and Sears Tower buildings, respectively. The signal intruders had to place their transmitter in this path, pointing the right direction at a higher location and or at a stronger signal than the legitimate transmitter. So did, and then did... they, that would essentially trick the amplifier to send the pirate signal instead of the regular signal. So did WGN have a huge tower and then this person would be higher than it? Not higher than the amplifying tower, higher than the originating source. Oh, oh, okay. Which was not very high up at all. They could have been, you know, in, in a, an apartment, you know, five right. stories up, sending right. a signal slightly stronger than the one that was coming from WGN, and that would have been good enough. Okay. So, that, according to what I read, it would just have to be a little bit stronger, and that then seems it would too kick easy. in. And they do a lot of other stuff nowadays to make sure that this like cannot happen. Um, so, um, another quote from Marcus here: "Quote: I think the bad guy got close to the receiving end and just transmitted a signal that was received with a stronger strength than the more distant intended signal." Close quote. So that kind of sums it up in, in terms of, like, how this perpetrator uh, committed this crime. So whether this was accomplished by, you know, um, some people think a, a kind of relatively larger setup um, further away or a more scaled-down setup closer to the amplifier, it, it, we sort of don't know. It could have been either of those things. Marcus, though, definitely subscribes to the latter theory, that it was a more scaled-down thing. He thinks that it could have involved, quote, around $10,000, a few briefcases worth of equipment, and a direct TV size antenna to accomplish the hack. Wow. So it wouldn't have had to have been this whole big thing. You know, it could have been I don't know, that people. kind of is a big thing. Well, I mean, yeah, it could be. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was like, 10 grand? I don't know, man. That's Well, the dedicated. money is, but but in terms of, you know... And you would have had to know how to do everything. it, obviously. So while FCC investigators were figuring out the, these sort of, like, technicalities... When was this again? Early 90s? Late 80s. 1987. November 22nd, 1987. Um, the FBI agents were trying to figure out where the strange video was taped. So they, they were trying to work on that end of it. So what they did was they painstakingly reviewed the minute and 22 seconds or so of video including making highly detailed photographic prints of certain frames, which, you know, then they could examine in more detail. Um, they were able to do this with the help of some avid Whovians who were taping the program when the hack occurred, because uh, WTTV oh, yeah, apparently yeah. Did, did not have a copy of it. They did all of this and they still didn't yep. come up with anything? That's true. 
um, the corrugated metal background, which Marcus believed was an eight foot wide roll down warehouse door and, oh, a, yeah. and a tip that he received pointed him to a specific person at a specific warehouse in Chicago. But there wasn't any more than that. So no way that a judge is going to sign off on a yeah. search warrant on that. Right. And like we were talking pick. about, you know, the, the FCC investigator in Chicago wasn't really that interested in doing this kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the yeah. issue of the, the signal intrusion, you know, it definitely had critical implications, but this particular incident did not really seem to merit too much of an extraordinary response. Um, ultimately, you know, no one was harmed, no property was damaged, and it did seem and this has proved to be the case, that the, the Fomax headroom was done, um, that this was essentially a two-off. Um, furthermore, the hack was relegated to the back pages, even in Chicago, when the first black mayor of Chicago, Harold Washington, passed away, mm. just a, a little while after the hack occurred. So it wasn't even big news anyway. It, wa- it was for a little while, even nationally, it was big news for a little while. But then when Harold Washington died, it it pretty much wiped it off the front page. So, the yeah, the mystery of Max Headroom, the signal intrusion, would, you know, live on, though, in the nascent Internet, which in 1987 was in a sort of proto-state consisting of essentially linked dial-up networks, um, some of which were called BBSs. And um, a BBS, just to mention, is a bulletin board system, uh, sort of a a message board kind of thing. So these early internet geeks were very intrigued and and sort of awed by the the brazen hack, the Max Headroom intrusion. It was it was it sort of it it gave a lot of street cred to whoever did do it. Claims of responsibility or some kind of privileged knowledge have arisen on computers uh, since just after the incident. in the, in the first incident of this kind, a BBS user with the handle the chameleon, that's C H A M E L I O N I O N for some reason instead of E O N, claimed some kind of responsibility with uh, dubious veracity. Um, did not. It seemed like they they were just kind of like trying to play off of you know what um, was a very uh, famous incident. And these kinds of high-profile hacks and, and incidents do tend to, which is very strange, attract these people who want to falsely claim responsibility for the crimes. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a weird phenomenon. Yeah. So um, let's go over now um, a couple of the more or less legitimate suspects that have aris- arisen over the years. And, and then maybe to end, we can talk about why, you know, it's been so hard to actually catch this person or people. So a popular, though unlikely possible perpetrator is the performance artist and musician Eric Fournier. Fournier is known for a YouTube series called Shea St. John, which apparently matches uh, the generally very bizarre and erratic style that uh, is displayed by the Fomax headroom on the video. Is he a Chicagoan? Uh, No, he was from uh, Bloomington, Indiana, at the time at least. Oh, Um, He was an up-and-coming punk musician, and the story goes that he originally wanted to intrude on the WGN signal to promote his punk band, The Blood Farmers, 
but made it more abstract because he thought, oh, that's going to be too easy to, you know, find out who I am. trace back. Right, right, right. But his bandmates have roundly dismissed all of this talk. Uh, They claim, excuse me, that he would not have had the technical know-how or Mm. the equipment to do this, and and that they didn't even make videos, that he didn't even make videos at the time, Um, and that the only time that they ever were in Chicago was for a Pixies concert. Oh, so, You know, they they weren't even never there. And Fournier died in 2010, unfortunately, of cancer, so we'll never really know. Um, I but don't it, think it, was it doesn't him. seem very likely. Um, the other main theory involves Reddit. Yeah. Because I was telling you earlier that there's a big That's Reddit component. Um, so a Chicagoan and early computer nerd named Bowie J. Pogue, or at least that's what he goes by on Reddit, came forward on Reddit to say that he may have known the Fomax and his accomplices. He describes being... I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the user Pogue, he describes being a geeky 13-year-old hanging around a slightly older crowd of techno-punks in late 80s Chicagoland. And the two central characters are um, people whom he deems J and K uh, to mask their true identities. Pogue and his early internet buddies would sometimes migrate from the glowing green screens of the dial-up BBSs to get together in real life, or IRL, as the kids say, (laughs) right? I'm Uh, hip. I know know the elite speak. I don't think people, like, say it out loud. (laughs) Using using internet, that's like the worst. LOL. Using internet speak in real life, like, talking out loud, that's terrible. I do say OMG sometimes. O-M-G. Oh, I'm gosh. Oh my god. Oh my god. At um, one of these get-togethers, <laughs> uh, coincidentally, it, which it coincidentally occurred on November 22nd, 1987... Okay. Okay, the day of the famous incident, Pogue oh, and the gang oh. were... You're like, oh, why is that day important? Yeah. <laughs> we talked about it like twice. Um, Pogue and the gang were at a pizza hut in LaGrange, Illinois, <gasps> where we just were having brunch at the Blueberry Hill. I don't think that pizza hut's there anymore. I would not imagine. I mean, this was 30 years ago. Um so, Pizza Hut. I know, right? That so, great right um, now. Pogue recalls years later that, um, or sorry, he recalled years later, according to him, that the group was huddled around Jay, an awkward, perhaps autistic uh, man in his early 30s, excitedly talking about something big that would happen. Later, Jay's brother Kay told Pogue to, quote, just watch Channel 11 later tonight, which is the WGN channel, when Pogue inquired ah. what was so big that they were talking about. So somewhat implausibly, Pogue claims that he didn't make the connection at the time to the signal intrusion, that it wasn't until decades later that he like thought, like, oh, wait, uh. oh, that thing. So I don't, that kind of doesn't make sense. Um, once he did, though, as he claims, put two and two together... Um, he, you know, proclaimed it on Reddit um, and attempted to reignite the investigation by tracking down the mysterious brothers he thought might be behind the disturbing video seen that November night 
so many years before. Did he? He did. He tracks them down. However, as Pogue details and updates to the original post and in a separate Reddit post, he now considers J and K to be definitively ruled out as suspects. Oh. So that was disappointing. After all of that, and yeah, and he sent them letters and tried to call them, emails. Apparently, he's determined that it could not be them. And the reason he and other investigators are convinced that J and K are innocent is because they do feel that the signal intrusion must have been some kind of inside job. So it's it's kind of come all That's the full circle back to that. Um, and I guess they've found out that proprietary information as well as equipment would have been needed to pull this off. So through further investigation, they essentially have found out that it had to have been someone with inside access. So we How know that. How weird. Ooh. Yeah. And that changes things. <laughs> I know. Um, so while this is, um, you know, pretty much um, as far as the investigation ever got, um, some people do believe that it still can be solved. Um, hmm. And, and I guess this might be a good time to, to talk a little bit about why, you know, why was this so hard? So with a lot of the other signal intrusions, there was some kind of clue as to the origin, right? Um, oh, okay. In one, you know, they displayed text and the... Apparently, the text generator was, like, very... It was, like, unique that only certain companies used it. You know, things like that. Or, or, you know, um, they gave themselves away in some way. This Max Headroom signal intrusion, that person didn't do any of that. You can't tell where it is. You can't tell who it is. You can't tell what they're saying half the time. Like, it's just so obscure and bizarre that there's just like nothing to investigate oh, you know that's so weird like what do we we look yeah for what someone, a weird you know? case yeah so there's just there's no there's just no evidence i didn't you know? know there was so much investigation people people tried you know um so yeah another thing of course is that also the statute of limitations ran out long long ago um five years after the incident so you know, presumably anyone could come forward now, including the perpetrator. If somebody was and, caught, you know, what would they be charged for? Well, they wouldn't be charged with anything right now. And because it, it's the statute of limitation. Oh, oh, you mean if they were to do yeah, it now? Yeah. So um, there is now a federal statute against these kind of signal intrusions. And the, if I remember correctly, the um, punishment is, I think it's like five or 10 years in jail but and like a hundred thousand you'd be charged with signal intrusion. Oh, Oh, that's yeah. the thing. Signal intrusion so what, itself is a crime. But what if, what about back then? What were they, pl- back what was then, the FBI planning on like charging them? Yeah, with? there was a, a crime, but it was not the same crime. It, and it had, didn't have nearly as much of a, I think it was like a thousand dollar fine or something at the oh. time. So they they made like a a beefed they up federal it. oh yeah. they they massively is upgraded it a felony? It. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe Damn. so. Damn. Oh yeah, because the federal I uh, I believe all federal crimes are felonies. So yeah. Damn. Um. So yeah, it is a, ve- a very serious crime now, and and there have been other incidents that have come and gone, including some that uh involve pornographic 
uh, content being broadcast, including on Disney, which is pretty despicable. What? And that's something, I mean, you should definitely go away to, to jail for a long time if you're going to do some fucked up shit like that. Yeah, that's I know. low. Yeah, it's, it's like an added thing. That's not just like, okay, he got slapped in the butt with a fly swatter. Like, okay, that's like pretty, it's like PG-13, you know. It's like something you'd see on like an American Pie Part Four or something. (laughs) Um, So um, yeah, none none of these incidents though has had the impact of the Max Headroom signal intrusion, which has you know persisted. And and partly I think this is because it's just so weird, you know. Um, But it's also partly just because the person never got caught, and there's a fascination to that, right? but it's partly also, I think, because these types of hacks from that time on became a regular part of our, our culture. They were like movies and TV shows it, it would appeared in. Um, but mostly, I believe that this incident has persisted because it's sort of like the perfect internet mystery, right? A, a disturbing yeah. and confusing clip that you can watch over and over again it's on YouTube. Good. It's a good one. There's endless areas to speculate about uh, it, it you know how did they do it why did they do it who did it an, an origin story that's wrapped up in the early hacking culture from which the internet you know geekism was spawned so it's just got everything um and all of these factors and a healthy heaping of mystery of course have kept the max headroom signal intrusion in our collective unconscious um and reddit feeds and uh, it will continue to disturb for generations to come. I have no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and I just want to say a quick thank you to the internet gods of YouTube, Reddit, and Wikipedia. Because this episode, maybe more than any other, we have relied on them. So, cool. I, you know, that these, these are the, uh, the wonders of the internet age. Truly. Forsooth. My sources were, of course, Wikipedia, Max Headroom Broadcast Signal Intrusion page, um, the BPOG posts on Reddit, and he's still posting um, regularly, Katie Serena at All Things Interesting, Chris Niddle at uh, the Motherboard blog on Vice, Jay Shevsky at uh, WTTW, the PBS affiliate, Sean Gallagher at Ars Technica, Clint Finley at Wired, and Brian Menegas at Gizmodo. And that's all she wrote. Wow. And by she, I mean me. What? <laughs> that's all she wrote, you know, the saying, but I'm not a she, so. Oh, I just, I've just never heard of that saying. You never heard that? Oh, okay. I don't know where Learning it comes from. Learning something every day. Learning is fun. Knowledge is power. Do you have weird shit in the news? Because I have weird shit in the news. I, should I do that one? No, I don't. Okay, so I have a good one. Good. This whole, like, episode, this episode should be called The Gooden. <laughs> the Gooden? It's a Gooden. I'm um, not going to call it that, but sure. So, <laughs> this actually happened in... I decide the, the names of the episodes, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> this actually happened in Springfield. Oh, cool. Um, so, from newsleader.com, the uh, title is Brick of Marijuana Found in Donation Bin for Big Brothers Big Sisters in oh, Springfield. No. Yeah, so um, they actually announced it in their in their. They have a monthly newsletter, 
um, and uh, they they talk about um, their partnerships with other charities and local businesses that are participating in a uh, a clothing drive. So this actually happens in May, um, May 20th. Uh, volunteers were sorting through clothes um, donations in the drop-off bin, and they discovered a brick of marijuana wrapped in cellophane. And the president, his name was Tyler Moles, uh, uh, yeah, he said, uh, that's the most expensive thing ever put in the bin, and we weren't able to use it to help the charity, Aww. which kind of sucks. Um, he also says that they were initially hesitant to publicize the marijuana finding, but donations of adult and children clothes and shoes are down during the cold winter months, so they kind of wanted the publicity to, like, right. up it, so, uh... If you live in the Springfield area, definitely head over to Big Brothers, Big Sisters and donate some clothes. Cool. Good idea. Uh, the street value sharing is three grand. Is caring. God. Yes, sharing is caring. I think that's a good note to end on. Yes. Sharing Tis. is caring. Tis. And Tis. thank you for sharing this time with us. Yes, thank you listening for listening. And all that stuff. Follow so. us on all the social medias. Instagram. Facebook and Twitter. Twitter. Please. You can tweet me at MarioTex30. Yeah. I've been tweeting stuff. Uh, just articles. Just I've been tweeting articles and Mario stuff about on the internet. missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Yes. And... Um, rate and like comment. That really, really yeah. helps us on iTunes. Yeah. Even if you don't listen on iTunes, just go on there and, and rate it. That would be awesome. Um, that's all I've you got. You can send today. us an email, mystery right. thingy at gmail.com. Do you have your own mystery? We want to hear it. Tell us about your mysteries, things you want to hear, suggestions. We, right. We read every, every single thing. We don't get very much stuff, so we, Criti- we read it all. Criti- criti- criticizations? Criticizations. No criticizing, just criticizations. That's Criticize- not a real thing, so that's cool. Criticizations. Criticizations. That's also not a word. Critiques, that's the word. Um, wow. That Patreon. Took me, that took me way too long. Okay, you can go to our Patreon. Yes. Um, I've been putting up more stuff on there, so if you want to see new pictures and... Content. You know, just things. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Cool. 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 <laughs> we said it at the same time. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.